If you think this morning's been all about money, you're probably correct. It is a matter of life that uh, money is a is a tool that we have to use in our life, isn't it? Um, when David was speaking this morning about his budget and things like that, I thought of a time when I started work and I was an apprentice at Wycliffe Bible Translators and um, I got involved through a guy that used to come to this church and I went up there and, and they took me on as a, an apprentice. But part of the deal was that they would pay you the award wage but you had to donate some of the money back, which was no issue to me at the time. But I can honestly say I'd never earned so little money in my life and never had so much. You know, just, you know I ran a car, I did all these things on money that you know, God used in ways that I can't even explain. So it was an interesting story to hear that. <clears throat> I am going to read the uh, verses this morning. So it's in Matthew 22, verses 15 to 22. Matthew 22, 15 to 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You unswayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites! Why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed and left him and went away. A little boy desperately wanted a hundred dollars. He was desperate for this. So he prayed to God for a whole week. But nothing happened. So he decided he would write him a letter. When the post office received this letter addressed to God, they forwarded it to to Parliament House. The Prime Prime Minister was both impressed and amused. So he instructed his aide to send five dollars to the little boy thinking that that would be a lot of money to him. The boy was indeed delighted with the money, so he sat down to write a thank you note. This is what he said. Dear God, thank you very much for sending the money. However, I noticed for some reason that you had to send it through Canberra and as usual they kept most of it. (laughs) Sometimes that's how it feels, doesn't it? We work and then someone else takes it. I haven't met too many people in my life who say they honestly like paying tax. Most of us accept it and do it as just a part of life. While some others in society we read about, they go great lengths not to pay their tax. This is a bit of sad news, but the average taxpayer works from January the 1st 
to mid-April to pay their tax. The rest of it after that is yours, more or less. But part of a society, um, we have a tax system and I have to say I enjoy driving on paved roads, having bike lanes, parks and gardens and that's what our taxes go and do. And they're all paid for by our taxes. Some other things our taxes are used for we could probably leave aside and not really get involved in. But that's how it is. As we read these verses here uh, in Matthew, Jesus has been preaching and teaching and healing for about three years now. Large crowds crowds had gathered to listen to him and there was talk of making him the new king of Israel. He could inspire huge crowds with his words. He fed thousands of people with little food. He could heal the sick and raise the dead. And he had the power that people could not understand. If Jesus was their king, there'd be no power on earth that could stand against Israel. Not even the hated Romans could hold them back. Israel again would become a great nation. But there was a problem. The job of king was already taken. Judea already had a king and the king's name was Herod, the king who'd executed John the Baptist. Herod's followers were called Herodians and like King Herod, they were not like Jesus. So these Herodians conspired with the Pharisees to discredit Jesus in the eyes of the people. Now the Pharisees and the Herodians are enemies by and large. It would be like the Labor and the Liberal Party getting together for a common cause. That's what it would be like. So they approached Jesus and asked him this, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Now the imperial tax was not an everyday tax or a regular income tax, it was a poll tax. And believe it or not, 2,000 years ago, taxes were complicated. There was a ground tax, which was 10%. There was a grain production tax of 20%. There was a tax on oil and wine. There was income tax, which was 1% of man's income. And then there was a poll tax. It was paid by every man, and this was one day's wage virtually a year. Now, the problem the Pharisees had with this tax was it was a submission to Rome, which they disliked. The Jews disliked this tax because the money went directly to Caesar and his treasury and a lot of it was used in pagan temples and the decadent lifestyle of the Roman elite. So they didn't like it. The image of Caesar on the coin was a constant reminder of Israel's subjection to Rome. You know, the Pharisees... We've heard, heard about them many times. They're a religious group who put rules in front of relationships. And the Herodians were a political party and, as I said, they were normally enemies. But their dislike of Jesus brought them together in this situation. You know, if you read the verses or chapters before, these guys have taken a whacking lately. You've got to admire them. They keep getting up and coming back for more. And I think they're going to get another one here. The Herodians, feared, the Herodians feared that Jesus would destabilise the rule of Herod and the Pharisees feared that he would upstage their religion. 
whilst the Pharisees didn't like the poll tax at all. This story really is not about paying tax. It's about trying to trap Jesus on a technicality, trying to put him in a no-win situation. So they started off with flattery, thinking that would get them uh, a little way down the track. And when you read what they said, everything is true about what they said. And this, they said they called him teacher. We know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You unswayed by men. You know, they did understand who Jesus was. They did have some things correct about Jesus. But having said all these things, they didn't act like they believed it. You know, we can go around saying all the right things, can't we? We can make all the right sounds, say the right thing at the right time, but still not have Jesus Lord of our lives. You can make, you can get up the front here, you can go out during the week and do all that, but that doesn't make him Lord of your life. It's not about the words you use, it's about your character and how you act. And these two groups didn't act like he was the Lord of their lives. When they asked Jesus this question, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They had a plan and their plan was, they were thinking if he answered no, the Herodians would report him to the Roman governor. But if he answered yes, the Pharisees would say he was disloyal to his nation and oppose God. Jesus knew what they were up to and he knew their motives. A word of warning I think here for us. He knows what you're up to. He knows your motives. You cannot fool him. He knows what you're, you're on about. He knows when you go to him what's really on your mind. You cannot flatter Jesus. You need to tell him the truth. One of the reasons the Pharisees thought that the tax should not apply to them was that they thought God's chosen people that the law of the land may not apply to them. They were hoping that. Maybe they could find a loophole that would get them out of this tax. In my hand here, I have my passport. That's my passport. You know, if you live in Australia and you want to travel overseas, you need one of these to do it. Now, this passport has Australia on the front and as a citizen of Australia, I can hold an Australian passport. I can call myself an Australian. Once I get to a certain age, I'm able to vote. Part of being Australian is you are governed by the laws of Australia. If you are residing in this country, it is on, on your shoulders that you obey the laws or suffer the consequences all the laws, not just the ones we like or agree with, but it is our responsibility to obey all the laws. In Australia, there are a lot of laws, I can tell you. I had a bit of a look at what they are. But I'd have to say most of them are common sense and logical. Yet if you lived in other parts of the world, it's not quite the same. And as I was reading through, I found some of these laws. In England... It is an act of treason to place a postage stamp bearing the British monarch upside down. 
under the UK's tax avoidance scheme of 2006, it is illegal not to tell the tax man anything you don't want him to know, though you don't have to tell him anything you don't mind him knowing. In Alabama, it's illegal for a driver to drive blindfolded while driving a vehicle. (laughs) In Maryland, USA, it's illegal for the radio station to play Randy Newman's song, Short People. (laughs) That is a fact. These are laws. In Victoria, even we get a Guernsey here, only a licensed electrician is allowed to change a light bulb. Now, I don't know if these laws are are still enforced or have ever been enforced, but they are laws that exist. And as strange and weird as these are, it's God's intention that we obey the laws of the land where you live. Except, there is always an exception, where it is in direct contradiction to the way God wants you to live. Now, I'm unaware of any current laws in our country that God would want us to break for that reason. But the Bible does say there are instances where we should not obey the laws of the land and that's when they conflict with God's. We ought to obey God rather than men. In the book of Daniel it says, a law was established making it illegal to pray but Daniel prayed anyway. In Acts it became unlawful to preach the name of Jesus but the apostles preached it anyway, no matter what the cost. Fortunately, in the country that we live in at the moment, that is not the situation for us. But who knows what the future may hold for us. In Romans 13.1 it says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. As I said, we are identified by our passport or our country of origin. But as a Christian, we should be identifiable by our actions and our character. We don't have a passport to say we are a Christian, but it should be obvious to people that we are. Our responsibilities to government and God should not be at odds. Being in a personal relationship with Christ should make you a better neighbour a better employee, a better person in your community, a law-abiding citizen. It should not be the opposite. Romans 12.8 If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Should you give to Caesar what is Caesar's? Yes, you should give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but also to God what is God's. What is God's? A school chaplain tells a story of a couple of boys at his Christian school. These two young boys had been disruptive during Christian studies so they were sent up to see the chaplain. When they sat down the chaplain said, what's going on? And they said, look, you know, we're not bad guys but we're not really convinced about God and religion and the whole thing going on that we get taught in this class. And they said, we just want to be our own people. We want to do our own thing. We want to be individuals and be independent. We just, you know, 
We're not going to disturb others. That's just what we want to do, just be independent individuals. The wise chaplain said to them, you know, if you truly want to be independent and individual, you need to make some changes in your lives. He said to them, they should stop walking on God's ground, drinking his water and breathing his air and go and make your own. (laughs) It's just not possible, is it? You cannot live independent of God. No one on this earth lives independent of God. Whether they acknowledge it or not, that is a fact. Even the most ardent opposers of God breathe his air, drink his water, eat the food grown from the rain that he sends, even if they pay no acknowledgement to God. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. As these verses say, whose image is on the coin? Caesar's, they say. So give to him what is due. Whose image is on us? Who do we, rep- who do we um, represent? It's God, isn't it? That's whose image we are. We're made in his image. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So give to God what is his. What can I truly give God? What can I give an all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe? I can't give him my money. It's not my money to give. But what can I give God? Recently on the radio, uh, there was a a segment about what people would grab if their, fire, if their house caught on fire and um, the usual things came in, photos, jewellery, art pieces, um, animals, um, different things like that. And as I thought about this, I thought, if my house caught on fire, what would I grab? So I went through a few things and I could not honestly come up with anything in particular. But I set it on my computer because I thought if that goes it's going to cause me a lot of grief. It's not because I love it but it would cause some grief. But the more I thought about this question the more, something kept coming back to me and there was something that I would struggle to leave behind. Now these are objects, not people. I'd like to make that clear. <laughs> I'll get that one out there right now. But, yeah, exactly. But there is something that I would struggle to give up and you know what it is? My free will. And I thought about this. It's my free will and being submissive to God that is something that I find hard to give up. But that's in reality all I can give to God is my free will and be subjective to him. That's all any of us can give to God. You can't give God anything else. It's already his. Yet for all that, I struggle with this. You know, it's a hard thing to surrender your will and bend yourself to be like clay in his hands. I like to do my own thing and I don't always want to do the right thing in all situations. Sometimes you just want to be an individual and do what you want to do. But during these times I need reminding of who God is and what he's done for me. Every day 
we walk on the ground he has created. We eat the food that grows from him. He sends the rain. He gives us fresh air. Everything around us is God's. Yet for all that, at times we only pay lip service to God. We go through the motions, but our hearts may be not in it. What can I give to God, the creator of everything? Myself, that's it. What can you give to God? Only yourself. You can only submit yourself to God. That's the only thing that you can give him. In Micah 6.8 it says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I'll read that again. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Yourself is all you can give to God, yet at times it seems the most difficult thing to do. Sometimes we forget what God has done for us or who he is and how he's worked in our lives. We have the best intentions to submit ourselves to him, yet for various reasons it runs off the rails. Doing life just seems to overrun submitting to God. But I found in my life the more I hear or see God at work, the more I could submit to him. The better I know him, the more I trust him. The more I trust, the better I understand. As I was talking about this last week, Tracy reminded me of a time that I'd forgotten about. And as I said, sometimes we need reminding. And it was a time um, quite a few years ago in our business, we needed an insurance to keep running our business and without it we couldn't keep working. We had a few weeks' work left to do um, but it was getting to the point where I couldn't sign up a job to start a job. We'd prayed about this, we'd written letters, we'd done everything we could but the whole industry was going through a bit of an upheaval at the time and insurance companies were pulling out of the whole industry because it was a bit of a minefield. So there was a big backlog, so we had to go and renegotiate with another insurance company. It was going on and on and on. It probably went on for weeks, if not months. And I remember during that week uh, doing my morning, reading one of those mornings, and um, I don't remember the whole thing with the reading, but I do remember this, and it was in Psalm, and I do remember these words, Be still and know that I am God. It's a hard thing to do sometimes to be still and know that I am God. But I do remember mulling over those words. I remember sitting in my office late one afternoon and the phone rang and it was my window supplier who I dealt with for quite a few years. And uh, they were a bit quiet themselves and he was just going through his book of quotes to see what was... um, any jobs around that they could actually make the windows, keep them and then send them out when they were ready. And he was ringing me, which was unusual in the fact because I normally dealt with one of the um, the salesmen there, not the owner, even though I had a little bit of a relationship with the owner. So he rang me and said, um, I'm just ringing around um, about this 
ordered that you've got that you need for these upcoming windows, are we able to make them, keep them and then we'll send them out when they're ready? And I said to him, it's a bit of a problem because I don't know if I'll be able to do that job because I have an issue with my insurance and I can't register any jobs. He said, well, that's a problem. I said, that is a problem. He said, who are you insured with? And I told him. He said, he's my best friend, the owner of that company. He said, I'll give you his personal phone number. You can ring him and talk to him. So the next morning I rang this guy up and he said, I've been expecting your call. What's your problem? I told him. And he said, "Um, what would you like me to do? I said, well, I can't work unless you get this, unless I get this insurance. He said, leave it with me and I'll call you back this afternoon. The afternoon came and he rang me and said, it's all sorted, you can go and do your thing. Now, I didn't need anyone to tell me that that was God at work there. It's obvious to me. And I've told many people and it's encouraging others as well as encourage myself. I've heard other people's stories. I've read them in the Bible like this where God, only God has been able to do that thing. He's answered that prayer. He's seen the need. He's provided. And from the front of the Bible to the back you'll find God doing this over and over and over again. In Psalm 34.8 it says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. The little commentary in my Bible says this about these verses. Taste and see does not mean check out God's credentials. Instead, it's a warm invitation. Try this, I know you will like it. When we take steps of obedience in following God, we cannot help discovering that he is good and kind. When we begin the Christian life, our knowledge of God is partial and incomplete. It's only when we trust him more and experience how good God is that we truly understand. You know, I'm looking forward to the next phase of my life, whatever that may be. I'm looking forward to see God working in it and I hope that you can say the same. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the ways that we read about how you treat your people. We thank you that when we come to you, you understand what is going on. You understand our needs. You understand our motives and I thank you for that. I pray as we go out this week that you'll help us to be conscious of who we are and who we represent. Help us to be good citizens in our areas, in our workplace, in our, in our streets, in everything we do. Help us to represent you in the right way. Help us also to give to you what is truly yours. We, can't, we cannot give you many things but we can give you our, our, our will and we can give you that 100% and I pray that you will enable us to do that as we go about our daily lives. Amen.